Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Today, we devote both hours of forum to Ukraine. Up first here at nine, we're talking about the challenges of rebuilding. The damage from Russia's invasion of Ukraine is almost unfathomable. 1.5 million Ukrainian homes have been destroyed and experts estimate it could cost more than $400 billion to rebuild the country. Today, we're joined by a delegation of Ukrainian officials and leaders who are visiting the Bay Area to seek local expertise on how to start rebuilding even as the war continues. The problem is they need to create a place that will draw back in the wave of Ukrainians who left the country after the war began. We'll talk about their local Bay Area partnerships and the challenges they face at home right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Both hours of forum today are devoted to the situation in Ukraine. Here in the nine o'clock hour, we're joined by people who've lived through this major world event, a war in which half a million Ukrainians have been killed or wounded. These Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts will share their vision of what's going to happen at, you know, in the future, two, nearly two years after the Russian invasion, and also a bit about their kind of daily lives. You know, what's it like to just be in the cities of Ukraine right now? They're in the Bay Area to meet with local collaborators. We've got a full house here. We're joined by Konstantin Demenkov, Chief Advisor for Reconstruction to the City Council of Kharkiv. Welcome, Konstantin. Hi. Also joined by Volodymyr Kredenko, who is a member of Ukraine's parliament. Welcome. Good morning. And we're joined by Andrei Lukshtanov, who is a construction professional with Hilti Ukraine and a leader at Dobrobot where he focuses on coordinating international support for the rebuilding effort. Welcome, Andre. Morning, everyone. And we've got Margie O'Driscoll, who's a strategist for the Center for Innovation, a San Francisco-based nonprofit and a crucial local partner here in the Bay Area. Welcome. Thanks. So, uh, Andre, let's start with you. Um, you're, what, is, what is like a day like for you? Um, can you walk around cities, things are open, like what, what's life like? That's a great question. And uh, I think 
I would start with uh, saying that uh, when the full-scale invasion started, mm -hmm. uh, the, the life has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. So they were, I, had, I had no single aspect of my life that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. However, now, after almost two years of the war, you can, in certain periods of time, you can hardly feel or see the changes. Mm. Yeah, we do have a curfew. Yeah, we do have an air rocket attacks. Yeah, we do have, uh, let's say, these alarms that puts you in a place when you should go to the shelter and mm -hmm. then terminate all your operations. However, we still have a traffic jams <laughs> uh, in the morning. We still have uh, many businesses uh, operationing, and that's the resilience of Ukrainian people. So almost every industry was able to adjust construction industry is our topic mm -hmm. in the process of adjustment uh, so we continue to live and what part of Ukraine are you in I'm in Kiev I was born and raised there and uh, currently also living there my family is back I never left Ukraine so that's wow. how it is yeah um, Constantine uh, let's ask you you're in Kharkiv as as I understand it which is really right near the the, the warring regions, right? So, um, talk to me a little bit about what life has has been like for you. Yeah, you know that uh, the Kharkiv city is situated really close to the border. It's like thirty five kilometers approximately, mm -hmm. uh, eighteen miles, like. And uh, in the very beginning of the full scale invasion of Russians, that was the most terrifying and horrible actually experience in all my life. Yeah, me and my family never actually went out from the city. Mm -hmm. We stayed. This is actually my first trip abroad for two years already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, the completely empty city in the first like months, and was hard to see, actually. And for what what can I say now? From two million people before the war inside city, now it's 1.3 million people inside the city, and. It can be sound weird, but despite that we have constant missiles attack and a constant fire in the region and in the city, constant air alarms and other, city actually living mostly normal life. <laughs> yeah, and the shop has, shops are open, restaurants are open, uh, not very a lot of public places, but still under the certain regulations with the queue and the that you need to be in shelter during the alarm. Mostly are people working. We have also we have a traffic jams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In the rush our kids, hours. Are, you have kids? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Are kids back in school? No. The peculiarity of Kharkiv that uh, it is really too less time to be covered when the airstrike alarm mm -hmm. opens, and mm -hmm. we are not allowed to open schools without the appropriate shelters. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, uh, city council and the mayor decided to do something with that and we actually started the so-called metro or subway school so we placed a school uh, uh, for mostly uh, um, the youngest one children's mm -hmm. so they can socialize a bit more but it is only for like two and a half thousand of people of pupils and also we are under the process of building the uh, underground school, yeah. That's mm. what we are now. We are digging. Yeah. Wow. And if you, I mean, if you just want to, you're going to go to work, you can wake up and you can go to a cafe and have a coffee and then go to work? Is it like that? Yeah, is pretty it, much it, like that. But even though that you can, like, 
you have the massive airstrike alarm and the massive missiles come to Ukraine or to Kharkiv. Uh, mostly what I do that I'm looking the some channels what what the what our military says where it can be possible hit it and decided okay I will go to have some grab coffee and go to work. Oh my God, like almost like checking the weather, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, that was like forecast for the weather, but with the missiles in the air, and with high frequency of checking, because it's like you're constantly checking the news and the level of uncertainty that you have regarding your question. So yeah. it's like very complicated to plan ahead. So let's meet next week. Yeah, we can meet next week. We can have a huge event next week. But if the rocket attack will will be happening this time, yeah, it, yeah. It also, will not can add that you, you uh, we just just half a year ago uh, they opened some small restaurant with nice coffee, and unfortunately, I'm one wasn't able to visit it, and it is already destroyed. You know, so oh. Yeah, oh it's difficult to plan something. Yeah, and we'll we'll get more into into the complexities of rebuilding in, a, in an ongoing war in just a sec. Uh, Volodymyr uh, Kurenko, let's, let's talk um, about your perspective on this. Like, you're also in Kiev, I assume. Um, you've got to conduct governmental business. I, are you having to take different kinds of precautions? Does life feel more, more normal than they've described or less normal? <sighs> I think uh, more difficult because uh, from one side we we need to protect our people to fight with Russians to provide uh, economic and uh, financial support of our army uh, to our army and uh, it's very important important to fight uh, with Russians and uh, to kick out from our territory uh, from another side we also like a member of parliament like a government uh, needs to do reforms reforms of uh in economic sphere in social sphere uh anti-corruption uh, uh different anti-corruption uh things mm-hmm. for for fighting corruption in ukraine so uh, for for us all day is full of uh, ch- uh, uh challenges yeah. uh, for 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 all of us and our nation uh we are very unique uh, and uh, we and became a volunteer. So, uh, all nations of volunteers, we try to help each other. We have, uh, we try to find opportunity to to win. Yeah, we're talking with Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what daily life is like there, as well as you know how to rebuild uh, their country. Do you have questions for our guests about what life is like in Ukraine today and what rebuilding efforts? Uh, might be, you can email us at forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all of our social channels, you know, Twitter, Instagram, go to the digital community on Discord, or you can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Margie O'Driscoll, let's um, talk a little bit about how our delegation here got to uh, the United States, like were you, you were you were involved in this. Tell us just like a little bit of that story. So the Center for Innovation is a San Francisco based nonprofit. We work globally. And when the war began in Ukraine, uh, we heard President Zelensky say to the nation in the world, not only are we fighting the Russians, not only are we re- rebuilding our critical infrastructure, roads, bridges, but we also need to start planning for the future. And We were fairly stunned to hear that. We asked people in the heart of a trauma, in the heart of a war, to hold just the idea about 
disruptions to daily life, worrying about your children going to school in a subway, mm-hmm. hoping that your coffee shop is still there mm-hmm. after a Rus- Russian attack. How do you hold that? How do you hold just the daily work of reconstruction of the critical infrastructure and then also find space in your mind to think about a future of peace? We found that overwhelming. And so we started talking with Doberbot, and I think we'll talk about that organization in a minute, and and started to frame this idea about creating what we called a community of practice. And we thought if we could bring leaders from all around the country together from different sectors of life to see and experience the best that we have to offer here in terms of uh, building and construction, they might take and see what we show them. It's our offering and bring back the best of what they see that works for their culture and their time. Mm -hmm. So there was no assumption of what we were going to show them was definitely going to work. We said, you're going to take what we show you and make it better when you go back. So we spent a good bit of time trying to pull it all together. (laughs) And so we have a delegation of 10 people here, members of parliament, active Mm -hmm. construction workers, builders, architects, local government officials, and uh, historic preservation experts, because mm. retaining the culture is critically important, I think, for Ukrainians. So we spent 10 days showing them the best that the Bay Area has to offer. Yeah. I mean, it must be a lot. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk, uh, want to talk about after the break is just, you know, the logistical complexities and the, the you know, it's, it's one thing to be building both with the restrictions of like all of the, you know, California building codes, but also there's, you know, supply chains to you make sure you can get lumber and cement and all the things that, that you might need. So, um Cue up those questions in your minds. Uh, we're talking with uh, visiting Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what it's going to take to rebuild their country. We're joined by Konstantin Demenkov, chief advisor for reconstruction to the city council of Kharkiv, Volodymyr Kradenko, who's mem- a member of Ukraine's parliament, Andriy Lokshtanov, who is a construction professional with Hilti Ukraine and a leader at Dobrobat, and Margie O'Driscoll, who's a strategist with the Center for Innovation, which is a San Francisco-based nonprofit, crucial uh, local partner here in the Bay Area. Love to hear your questions for our guests about life in Ukraine, what it's like to try and rebuild amidst war. The email address is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all of our social channels, or you can give us a call, 866-733-6786. Just a reminder, both hours of Forum today dedicated to uh, the situation in Ukraine. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with visiting Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what it's going to take to rebuild their country. Joined by Andriy Lokshtanov, who's a uh, construction professional with Hilti Ukraine, the leader at Dobrobat, where he focuses on coordinating international support for the rebuilding effort. Joined by Margio Driscoll, a strategist with the Center for Innovation uh, here in the city. Volodymyr Kredenko, who's a member of Ukraine's parliament. And Konstantin Demenkov, who is a chief advisor for reconstruction to the city council of Kharkiv. Um, we want to talk a little bit about what it's actually like to try to rebuild. Um, but first, maybe uh, before we go into that, uh, Volodymyr, maybe you can talk to us about why to rebuild. You know, I told my wife yesterday about this show and she was like, but wait, how are they rebuilding? Because there's still a war. Is it like, why, why rebuild now as opposed to waiting until it's over? Uh, you know, we can stop our life. We can uh, put uh, our life on pause. So uh, we need to rebuild, renovate our buildings, which was destroyed by Russia, uh, Russian Federation, by Russian soldier. Every day, a lot of people lose uh, their houses, and uh, it's a big tra- 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 uh, tra- tragedy for for all nations. For they are. Uh, try to find new uh, houses uh, and our government and the member of parliament try to to solve this problem we mm-hmm. we build new buildings for uh, refugees we try to uh, provide all needs they 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 have to to have and uh, it's very uh, big challenge for us every day we uh, try to to renovate something or and every day we just dist- uh, russian destroyed mm-hmm. uh, any f- factories uh, or uh, plants and uh, people also lose their works uh, jobs mm-hmm. and uh, the, of course we need to solve o- also this problem every yeah. day yeah andre do you want to talk about you know just can you get cement can you get lumber can you get st- Deal like how, how do you actually get the basics of these kind of building material? Well, yeah, we we can, but uh, it is far far more difficult than it was because of the lack of the ports, mm. because of the lack of the major uh, let's say logistic routes we had before. Uh, the situation now now looks very different. I would like maybe to take a step back and mm-hmm. and uh, maybe add to to the comments on the previous uh, question. Why to rebuild and what to rebuild? Mm-hmm. Um, I would split this question on two parts. So the first part, and here let me let me briefly explain what is Dobrobat and what we are mm-hmm. doing. Sure. So Dobrobat is uh, our uh, volunteer movement, and uh, Dobrobat is uh, the project idea is fast recovery. So we are dealing with a basic fast restoration of destroyed buildings. Fixing windows. Fixing windows, roofs, exactly. So uh, imagine a a mom that has two sons, both of them are serving in the army, and uh, she's living near the front line, and because of the missile attack, some of parts of her building destroyed. And and Dabrabat is a movement of already more than 50,000 volunteers working in uh, seven different regions of Ukraine, dealing with this basic and fast restoration. That's not all. We have some, let's say, quite a big projects. 
infrastructural as well, educational mm-hmm. as well, but the majority of the project is, is like that. And this is fast recovery. And the reason here, so answering the question why, mm, we have a huge problem As, uh, alongside with the war and destruction and the death, which is the most important thing. We have a huge problem of refugees. Mm-hmm. So we have about uh, five or so million of internal displaced people and even more external displaced people. Right. So, and, and here, I mean, this is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to bring people back, we need at least to secure the basic needs. And uh, the scale is so high that volunteer movement plays a crucial role in that because you cannot do everything through the central government as an example I just I just gave you, just yeah. a simple one. Also, you need people to have some purpose, right? Maybe their normal work is disrupted. They can't work their regular job. Their family maybe has gone to Europe or the U.S. or something. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And the, the second, the second, like, like the proper reconstruction, rebuild, and why we are here, well, let's imagine that the war ends tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We all hope for, but let's imagine. Uh, are we ready for it? No, we are not. Mm-hmm. No, we are not, and this is like the project and the whole uh, motto of our uh, trip as well. Uh, think slow, act fast. <laughs> so we would like to utilize this moment of time to prepare ourselves to, to be more productive, to use more technologies. Uh, for instance, regarding the resources, human resources, we are lacking more than eight times as we, let's say, plan to have to the proper rebuild when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and closing, closing uh, my comment yeah. with, with the exact answer on your question. So we, we can have it. Uh, the logistics routes are there. However, due to various reasons it is very challenging most likely some of you heard that uh, recently we had a huge strikes on the border with the poland so as as a supplier as a as a as a, um, a company i'm representing i'm dealing with it on a daily basis mm-hmm. we had a we had a cargo cars there for two months just staying on the almost two months one and a half months just staying on the border so it, it affects hugely and it creates a lot of uh, tension and you can imagine if the only route you have is is the road route. <laughs> so it, it limits you very, very seriously. Right. Oh, man. Uh, Constantine, I imagine that in Kharkiv, it's like that, but worse, right? Because you got to get it into the country and then you have to get it, uh, you know, closer to the front. Yeah, but you know that the most problem is the border. Yeah, when, when the truck already with the cargage already in the Ukraine, so they need like, I don't know, 700 or 800 kilometers go to the Kharkiv. And this is not actually a huge hmm. problem. So, yeah, just a bit a bit more time than for the other cities. Yeah. And how do you source the materials? Like, how do you find what, like, let's just take one example, like pick an example, like lumber, or steel, cement, something like, what, what is the actual way of, of, uh, of getting that stuff? Actual way, it's different. Actually, sometimes some international funds assist us and help us with some constructional materials, and sometimes we just buy it uh, from the subcontractors or contractors. Mm-hmm. Where they, where they actually find out, we already didn't know that because it is their mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. to fulfill uh, agreement between us. Yeah. Because we are also under the process 
not only for the fast recovery, but also for the complete building reconstruction. We actually did it for the local funds last two years, more than 250 buildings by our own, mm. because uh, people actually don't want to stop to live and they want to be in their houses and this is what they ask for and this is what they ask for the mayor and the local authority and we are doing our best to do that and we are also now in the process of planning and thinking how we should um, reconstruct and how we should to plan the whole city yeah, for mm -hmm. when the war will end Hopefully, we will have that plans. Yeah. Margie? I was just going to say that one thing that uh, the context for us here in San Francisco is the size of Ukraine. It's about one and a half times the size of California. So it's as though if you look at the shape of the country, you took California and put it on its side and then added half again as long. So there's no air traffic um, in the country at all allowed. Most people travel by train. Constantine traveled two days by train mm -hmm. the entire width of his country then got on a plane in Warsaw and flew 18 hours just to get mm. to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's just the human traf uh, the way that humans move within the country. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, with much of the border closed on all sides of the country, there's really only the entry point from Poland there. So the Polish strike had deep implications, I think, for mm. the movement of all goods, if you've only one primary entry point. So it's extremely complicated. Absolutely. Yeah, and what is the the current state of the infrastructure, Andre? Like, I mean, if you've got rail lines, they can be disrupted. I know that uh, there were a lot of strikes on roads. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Andre, and then you can talk about it, Volodymyr, because I know that's part of your um, job at, at, in Parliament as well. What is the current state of the industry? Of, of infrastructure. Of infrastructure. Yeah, okay. roads. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So... Um, Infrastructure and the importance of it changed uh, dramatically. And uh, due to the situation we just uh, discussed, um, the roads and the railways plays uh, a very important role. So literally, you can imagine from the simple stuff, just like medicine to, to, to the construction materials, uh, they all coming through that. Um, usually ports have been playing... Uh, the most important role in a, in a huge cargo transportation. Luckily, we are able to find the solution to, to export our agricultural um, products mm -hmm. through, the, through the corridors that, that are setting up, but it's also a dangerous uh, mm -hmm. route. Um, and and uh, maybe a little, a little uh, adding to the previous comment. So, this situation also motivated uh, the local industry to develop a little bit because uh, once you're facing huge challenges importing something, once you're facing a lot of the time issue, mm -hmm. money issue, you're trying to develop uh, your thing. So mo in most of the cases, industry-wise, we're able to cover things by our own, but we definitely need to source a lot. Mm -hmm. And here, infrastructure, is, yeah. is, is the key. Both me? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a person who are very responsible in, uh, I work like a deputy chairman of uh, transport and infrastructure committee and every day we faced uh, a lot of uh, ch uh, challenges uh, in infrastructure uh, situation because uh, uh, a lot of uh, bridges uh, was destroyed mm -hmm. by Russians and we tried to 
uh, renovate uh, these uh, bridges for uh, good connection between our cities and it's uh, very important for people to to get a possibility to move from one city to another and uh, for uh, all all Ukrainian people uh, wait and see uh, how, how we uh, do this work and uh, uh, we we have a success in in uh, such such infrastructure projects but of course we stop all a uh, big infrastructure uh, building or uh, a renovation uh, because of lack of resources because of uh, uh, understanding that uh, in any time uh, it it can be destroyed by russia uh, so for 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 us in ukraine uh, now a railway station and uh, roads it's play play uh, the main role for transportation people and goods and uh, uh, it's it's opportunity to to connect us with uh, a un- uh, european union with other countries is a way of uh, uh, communication and uh, exchanging uh, goods but of course a uh, lack lack of resources uh, for for volunteer project for example uh, we have a lot of volunteers in in ukraine and they ready to rebuild renovate windows roofs etc but uh, we don't have enough resources to rebuild everything and uh, many people uh, expect from eu expect from united states such support for renovation of their houses because they don't want to move to, to in other countries they mm-hmm. want to to live in their own houses and uh, yeah. uh, no, no, not to be refugees well and Andre, it's kind of like what you were saying at, uh, at the top i mean you kind of need people to come back right because you need a you need a functioning economy you you know you can't go from 44 million people to 20 million people and expect to have the the, the kind of stability of the country intact right exactly and, and i mean the personal comment here. Uh, when the war started, everybody thought at least my personal expectation was it's a sprint. But now we, we see mm-hmm. an, it's a marathon. Yeah. So in marathon, you have a different rules of, of preparing yourself and, and having the pace and all that. And this relates to every aspect of our life, every aspect of our work and every aspect of our different industries as well. Yeah. We're talking with uh, visiting Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what it's really going to take to rebuild uh, their country and the conditions that they're trying to do it under. Joined by Andriy Lokshtanov, who is a construction professional in Ukraine and a leader at Dobrobat, uh, which you heard a little bit about the volunteer effort to do you know, fast rebuilding. Also joined by uh, Volodymyr uh, Kredenko, who's a member of Ukraine's parliament, as well as Konstantin Domenkov, who's a chief advisor for reconstruction to the city council of Hark. Uh, representing us here locally, we've got Margie O'Driscoll, a strategist with the Center for Innovation, which is the San Francisco-based uh, nonprofit. Um, we would love to hear from you. What's your experience with rebuilding uh, after conflict, whether uh, it's uh, been in Ukraine or, or some other uh, part of the world? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. You can go to any of the social channels or you can email forum at kqed.org. Um, Margie, I wanted to ask you about, you know, how you try and imagine, you know, we're all moving forward in this world. We know that we've got climate change. We know that we have um, the possibilities of uh, different uh, energy transitions uh, for different uh, industries and uh, transportation and everything. So 
Are you focusing on those things as well? Or is it kind of more, how do we build under tremendous constraint as fast as possible? Um, I think I'd have to ask the group what they thought <laughs> they took away. Yeah. We, we essentially created a 10-day study tour of showing the, what we call the most advanced means and methods of construction. So that was where we started. And so we showed great vision, great ideas. We actually walked job sites. So we, we saw all of that. But we also talked about um, people and making uh, people the center of the way that you think about redesigning cities. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the group, um, as we've sort of talked over the last couple of days, was deeply moved by the by the vision of the Presidio of creating a place for people. Hmm. Um, and so I think that was sort of a new, a new thought or a new way of thinking. Um, and our objective, again, was really just to share what we think is the best of Bay Area innovation and ideas and have them take those ideas and think about what was culturally relevant for them um, in hopes that it could help spur their deeper thinking about reconstruction. The other thing I'll say is that, you know, there's a lot of national governments around the world who have plans uh, that they are hoping to work on and hoping to give to Ukrainians. And we felt that having a people-centered approach with Ukrainians leading this discussion was really critical. And so um, Andre and I have been talking for a long time, but and. And I'm seldom at a loss for words, as people who know me would say. Uh, but Andre invited us um, uh, just about a year ago to go to Ukraine and go to Kiev in the middle of the war. And I'll tell you, um, I was speechless on that. And I said, <laughs> i got to get back to you on that. All right. Um, Anyway, and so at that conference, it was the first conference led by and organized by Ukrainians, members of parliament, uh, builders, contractors talking about what are the problems, what do we see? And so that that sort of uplifting of this organization, uh, led by this the uplifting of this organization, Dope Robot, spurred, spurred on this national con- conversation that goes beyond government to government, which is, of course, critically important, but to the people actually do the work. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking with uh, visiting Ukrainian leaders, reconstruction experts, as well as their uh, local partner uh, here, or one of the local partners here in the Bay Area, the Center for Innovation. Uh, one of our listeners, Steve, writes in to say, we currently have a six-person delegation of Ukrainian women in Sonoma County for the next two weeks. Today is the first day of their official program studying open government and establishing child and family counseling networks. Here is part of a U.S. congressionally sponsored program, Open World. We'll get to more of your comments and calls after the break. Uh, Questions about life in Ukraine right now and efforts to rebuild. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with visiting Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what it will take to rebuild their country. Joined by Volodymyr Kredenko, a member of Ukraine's parliament, Konstantin Demenkov, who is a chief advisor for reconstruction to the city council of Kharkiv, uh, Andrei Lakshtanov, who is a construction professional with Hilti Ukraine and a leader at Dobrobat, focuses on coordinating the international support for the rebuilding effort. We've also got uh, Margio Driscoll, who's a strategist for the Center for Innovation, who's been working with these folks here uh, in the Bay Area. Let's bring in um, Carl in San Jose. Welcome, Carl. Yeah, hi. I, I, I went to first Ukraine in, in 2005. I'd been in Russia for several years before there. And I, I was just going to make the comment, I've made like 30 trips to Ukraine, Spit, lived in Kharkov and Nepovitrovsk and Zaporozhye for years. The whole country, ever since the, my, my opinion, from what I saw, since the Soviet times, those buildings were already uh, past their, their life expect, you know, 30, 40 years. They, half of these apartments that are, they're still Soviet style. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, this thing, the whole country needed to be rebuilt even before the war. So this thing is going to take, to to bring it up to European standards, it's going to take 30, you know, at least 20 years. Uh, and I don't know where they're going to get the, the manpower for this, you know. Mm-hmm. What the East Germans did, and I was in East Germany too before that, they, they completely retrained all the people to, to send them to school, make them construction workers to restore the buildings in East Germany. It's, it's unbelievable, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I got to hand it to you guys for, for doing this great <laughs> job. And I just want to tell all the people out there in California that Ukraine is a fantastic country. I love those people. Yeah. Hey, Thank Carl. You very much. Yeah, thanks so much for for that perspective. Um, Andre, do you want to start with that? I mean, I, let, let's first take on um, the first piece of Carl's comment, which is essentially that there were a lot of old Soviet buildings that needed to be rebuilt even before the war. Well, well yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and um, I mean, I think I was graduating Ukrainian uh, National University of Construction and Architecture back in 2009 or eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, having my master's, we already started uh, education moving to Eurocodes within the national norms. So this is the... However, the process is not uh, fully finished yet, but within this process, we have already in place some local uh, documentation and, and requirements that are far away from the Soviet one mm-hmm. and far closer to the European one. Mm. So this process really started, and I think the uh, the person from the audience said that uh, he was in Ukraine back in 2005. So. Mm-hmm. Since 2005, we've faced a lot of changes, Yeah, a lot of changes, and uh, we are happy to invite him once it will be possible <laughs> or host even now yeah. uh, to, to witness these changes. Yeah. So I fully agree on, on that comment, and uh, we understand, accept, 
and already started to implement in these changes. Yeah. Konstantin, what do you uh, think about um, changing the building style, you know, away from uh, a Soviet style of architecture to whatever you want to do? Uh, like, what are, how are yeah, you thinking? I can, I can have you, uh, I can give you my reflection on that. Yeah, actually, after the 2005 and nearly by 2018, we have like a construction boom, what I can say. A lot of new buildings with the modern regulations and modern uh, like legislation stuff appears and that is already not the Soviet buildings which you can say and Kharkiv and as well as Kiev and all other cities in Ukraine have a mixture of the constructionism styles not only Soviet buildings but even before the Soviet Union also because we have like a pretty much all the cities and uh, yeah that definitely true that the old panels multi-story buildings which has telling the truth, looking pretty, pretty not good, and uh, as as we can say now, we have a really unpleasant opportunity to rethink how we should now have an urban planning in the districts, and uh, how we can renovate these buildings in the more modern and according to all the standards, worldwide standards, norms. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are actually working on that. But this is really, really a long process. <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, and so many funds we need. Because you know that Kharkiv, like, uh, we have like 8,000 buildings partly or completely destroyed on different scale. Yeah, and this is really... You can imagine what is the amount of money we need to have to find to fund all this construction works. And this is actually what what is really... Um, difficult question, not only about buildings. If we will talk about manufacturing things, this is also a thing which, which is a really important thing for the economy, for the reestablishing and making really strong economy. Um, we need to modernize and manufacturing also. Mm. Um, what have you taken away from this trip? I know you all have been here for about 10 days learning all these different things, seeing, you know, seeing all these, these projects. Um, what have you kind of taken away that you want to bring back into that context of 8,000 buildings partly or fully destroyed and whole districts destroyed? Uh, that's uh, fine. But we, well, what we have learned here, and uh, this is a completely different approaches in the construction area. Not pretty much you have also these things like we have but mostly you are open for and um, working together for the really establishing a good result i mean designers and constructors and all other contractors can just sitting together and figure out what the problem is and solve it really fast and convenient way and this is what we actually now need to implement what i think in our country also, what is was personally me imagine? I mean, the the presidio, how it organized and how it's run by the NGO, because this is a really precious piece of the land. It became a national park, mm -hmm. which are really regulated by the NGO, and they they are, don't have any taxes that. But in, uh, even though this is a federal part of the land, mm -hmm. and this is really imagine me. What we I, I'm really not sure that. If we, I, I think we didn't have something like that, and I'm really mm. do not know how it can be possible <laughs> in Ukraine with that. But I, I think we need to work on it. Yeah. Really different. Yeah, uh, Volodymyr, let's talk uh, two two questions for you. One on 
the infrastructure uh, learning side, <laughs> you know, are there are there things that you saw here or, or uh, that you started to think about on infrastructure? Uh, and the second piece is just finding the funding, as we've been talking about. Like, where do you actually even begin to find the four hundred billion dollars, which I think was one estimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. And uh, uh, here I see uh, that uh, technology decide a lot. Uh, in Ukraine, we uh, not have so much technology uh, approaches and uh, robots uh, which can do uh, work that uh, in Ukraine just uh, regular people <laughs> do this work and you can use a robot and uh, he he can fix everything more more faster than than uh, people by by their hands so technologies uh, decide a lot in our life and uh, uh, using this technology uh, maybe uh, sharing from united states this technology to ukraine uh, give opportunity to develop our infrastructure to develop and uh, to to make it modern and uh, very close to, to people mm-hmm. um, but but of course of course so when we see this uh, all all infrastructure reforms when we re- realize and uh, plan to uh, to improve our infrastructure we need the resources resources uh, which uh, uh, have uh, EU, which have uh, uh, United States, and for us very important support from EU and uh, mm-hmm. American people, uh, our country. Uh, not only by money, by uh, air defense uh, system, because it's very important to protect uh, our buildings, our people, uh, also for uh, for win. For, for our victory, we need uh, artillery uh, shells and uh, heavy uh, weapons uh, because uh, we want to, to win and we want to kick out uh, p- people, uh, Russian people from our territory. I was born in Melitopol. It's occupied territory and not for, for, uh, have been occupied for two years. And uh, it's very strange to see... Uh, how people lived there after occupation. Mm-hmm. They are afraid to go out from their flats. They are afraid of uh, soldiers who uh, stolen everything and uh, uh, like uh, fight fight with regular people and try to to make authority uh, mm-hmm. power in in Melitopol and in other part of Ukraine which was occupied. So we are very expect uh, support from. Uh, two uh, political parties, Republicans and the Democratic mm-hmm. Party, support of Ukraine, and uh, it's uh, give us possibility to to mm-hmm. uh, kick out Russians from our territory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one listener tweets it. Um, you know, the U.S. has spent a lot of money to help Ukraine. Why should the U.S. spend more money on Ukraine while America is crumbling and so many Americans are facing poverty and and homelessness. Did you do you reflect on that while you were here? Did you think about that while you were here in the Bay Area seeing kind of wealth and poverty on our own streets here? Mm-hmm. By by the, uh, this resources which uh, gave, was given by by uh, United States to Ukraine, we uh, kick out uh, and w- we we had a success. Success we kick out from uh, Kyiv region Russian soldier we kick out from Sumy from Kharkiv uh, from Kherson uh, this this Russian soldier who uh, killed our people and uh, mm-hmm. it's about survival uh, about uh, fighting a democratic country against autocratic ca- country 
uh, which not respect democracy, human rights, etc., etc. So, uh, and by this support, uh, you can see that we almost destroyed uh, a half of uh, uh, power of Russian soldier uh, and Russian army. We destroyed, uh, we uh, we killed uh, a lot of Russians on our territory who wants to, to kill our people and occupy our territory. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, it's like uh, fighting uh, light and dark. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and of course, ev every time a light uh, <laughs> uh, rays, uh, so the sun is rays, mm -hmm. and uh, we we obviously uh, have a victory. Let's um, bring in uh, another caller here. Uh, let's bring in uh, Eric in San Jose. Uh, hi, good morning. Hopefully, you can hear me okay. Yeah, sure okay. can. Go uh, ahead, Eric. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on in this topic. So. Um, I work for the County of Santa Clara, uh, board supervisor, Otto Lee, and he's kind of taken a personal interest on this issue, but, um, we hosted a delegation at the County last year, uh, last May, we're going to be having another delegation coming in. It's through that similar open world program that mm -hmm. was mentioned, uh, for the people in Sonoma. We're bringing members of parliament in September. And right now, members of our sister commission, are working to organize some medical supplies to get sent over to Ukraine, uh, hopefully this spring or this summer. And they're, they actually have a meeting to talk about it tonight. But, um, you know, it's just been a really big thing for mm -hmm. us to try to push on the local level. You know, I think it's that idea that we can do both. You know, we can help people here and we mm -hmm. can help, help people abroad. And it's just been a special opportunity to get to work with these people, um, you know, to, to, we got to meet them. We got to spend some really good time with them uh, in May. I'm looking for, really looking forward to the parliament uh, delegation coming this fall. Yeah. It's just been a really great experience to shine the, the light on this issue. And just want to thank everybody that's working on this stuff and, you know, continuing to do this stuff. And yeah. like I said, County Supervisor Otto, Otto Lee, it's just it's been both kind of strangely personal and, you know, in his role that we've been able to do this stuff. So it's... Uh, you know, yeah. just kind of throwing that information out and expressing our uh, appreciation for for this happening, especially to our sister commission members and the chair, Nancy Madison. She's just been a, I say she's a rock star for all the work <laughs> that she's been putting in as a volunteer to make this happen, right? Yeah. Medical supplies to make the delegations, like nope, nobody asked her to, but all these commissioners just in their heart, they care about this so much. And it's been just yeah. wonderful to kind of be a part of it. Let me throw this over to Margie, who I think is... Uh... So um, I just want to follow up on what, you, what you've just said. When the Center for Innovation started this project, um, it was something we had never done before. We had no idea how to do it. There felt like there was no roadmap. So I reached out to people in San Francisco and said, hey, can you help? Um, this is in the middle of a context that I've had to explain to the Ukrainians where we all feel like San Francisco's in a doom loop of despair. We're a failed city. We can't do anything right. Um, and so for me to show um, the Ukrainians um, the best of what the Bay Area offered was a, an amazing gift. Moreover, I just want to say that every San Franciscan or anyone in the Bay Area who I asked to help uh, to meet these people said, yes, of course, and what more can I do? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I'll just say that I, I've been given over to this doom loop scenario. I think everyone has. 
But in the last 10 days, spending the time seeing San Francisco through the Ukrainians' eyes and recognizing the enormous generosity and wisdom, which was freely shared by some of the most eminent uh, intellectuals, practitioners in the world that happen to live in our area, renewed my faith and optimism in the city of San Francisco and, and the people who are here and made me believe that even though we, some of us might feel we're in a, a bit of a uh, not our best space, we, mm-hmm. we, can, we can and we will survive because of our generosity of spirit. Yeah, I mean, Andre, I imagine a lot of Bay Area people complaining about the city might have seemed a little um, uh, provincial, a little small-minded relative to the problems that you're facing back home. Well, listen, we are facing um, the level of hosting that we are facing here mm-hmm. is... Enormous. It's uh, really a top level, and I would like to to use this opportunity also to express my our gratitude to the CFI, to to everyone who hosted us because we've been to Stanford. We had a lecture with a professor there. We've met ambassadors. Even Nancy Pelosi came to us to to have a private uh, short talks and and. Uh, uh, and what is also very important, uh, this gratitude goes to regular people while meeting on the streets. Mm-hmm. So without any scheduled uh, conversation prepared in advance, we're meeting a lot of people here and we feel it, see it. And so they understand the level of complexity that we have is uh, goes far beyond the problems that they are facing, despite they can be somewhere unsatisfied with the governance of their city. But we are on a different level. And, and what I'm trying to say, uh, everyone understands it, both us and, and uh, citizens of San Francisco as well. And uh, here, uh, maybe I would like just to have a short step back and do uh, a comment regarding the historical one. So everyone takes Ukraine and its rebuilding within the latest history perspective, but we should take a step back and realize that Kiev was founded 100 1,540 years ago. <laughs> 1,540 years ago. This is my favorite, beloved, and 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 uh, see, Moscow, for instance, or other Soviet yeah. unions back then had nothing, empty space. So yeah. when you speak about architectural, when you speak about some of the style, when you speak about the culture, we have it. It goes very deep. It goes this. far yeah. beyond yeah. the Soviet Union. Yeah. We've been talking with visiting Ukrainian leaders and reconstruction experts about what it's going to take to rebuild the country. Been joined by Andrei Lukshtanov, a construction professional and leader at Dobrobat, which is a place you should really uh, check out. We've also been joined by Konstantin Demenkov, who's chief advisor for reconstruction to the city council of Kharkiv, and Volodymyr Kredenko, member of Ukraine's parliament. Also joined here in the studio by Margio Driscoll, who's a strategist for the Center for Innovation. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum on Ukraine Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera, 
Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.